Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the beautiful capital in Northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and overcast greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live show that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world, trying to break through all of the propaganda, misinformation, disinformation, the, uh, what's, what's the new word? What's the new word everybody uses? The stigma. The stigma. The stigma. Oh, <laughs> we definitely got to break through that stigma. We can't have stigmas. The worst. <laughs> stigmas are the worst. Uh, sorry for the little bit of a late start, but you know how it is. You know, it's Sunday and it's a relaxed day and, well, you all will just deal with it. It'll be fine. Y'all are great and wonderful people. Uh, chat is up for anybody who wants to join us. You can always go to Spreaker.com. Jump on the chat there where, uh, you know, we'll answer any of your questions and statements live on air. And, of course, if you want, you can go to Subscribestar.com forward slash WrongThinkRadio where you can become a subscriber for $2.99 a month. Help support the program as well as join our Discord there uh, where you can share your thoughts and ideas all week on what you think we need to talk about and all that other fun jazz. But... Uh, big week, lots of news uh, coming out, lots of things going on. So it's actually, um, honestly, it's, it's it's crazy town to try to uh, pin down, you know, where to go, what to do. So uh, there's a lot of stories that need to be covered. Some fun drama, some not so fun. Uh, obviously, there's two. It's funny because my this is my initial reaction. And this is what would be very annoying is to say uh, there there's one real big story in the news right now. And that big story is the uh, uh, January 6th uh, BS trial. But that's not the biggest story of what happened this week. The biggest you're, you're story. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. The biggest story of what happened this week is that a man attempted to assassinate a Supreme Court justice. That seems like big news. Yeah, it's real big news. You wouldn't know it, but it's really big news. And it's honestly a a massive highlight of a lot of what we're going to be talking about today on the program. Uh, Because need I remind you, a a man drove from California to uh, Maryland, I believe. It was, yeah, Maryland, um, with a gun, a knife, a hammer, you know, a nail punch, zip ties, screwdriver, all of this stuff in a bag with the intent of assassinating Brett Kavanaugh, specifically Brett Kavanaugh. Well, he, he, I heard, was a rapist. (laughs) He told police that the reason why he was going to kill Brett Kavanaugh was because of the leaked Supreme Court decision and and he was worried about gun legislation. So, in other wow. words, in other words, he was going to kill Brett Kavanaugh because of all of the scary things he has heard on the liberal media. That the world was literally going to end because Brett Kavanaugh, whom the Democrats falsely accused of rape, was on the Supreme Court bench. Now, remember... Not only, like, think about this for a second. And and I, I know I'm sort of beating a dead horse here. This is, Brett Kavanaugh is one of the, the three Supreme Court justices that were appointed by Donald Trump 
all of whom have been called illegitimate, all of whom have been called, what's, what's, what's the favorite term of Democrats? Threats to democracy. So I love Brett, that democracy. Yeah, Brett Kavanaugh, massive threat to democracy. Everything about liberal rhetoric. It makes sense. When you listen to the liberal media, when you listen to Democrat politicians, this is an inevitability. This is not an exception. This is the rule. The, the way that this gentleman is acting is not an exception. Mm-hmm. It is, in fact, the rule. Yeah. And because violence against conservatives has been justified for years. Yeah. I mean, we saw it all throughout the years of the Trump administration. Antifa violence, pulling people out of their cars, beating them, showing up to protests and getting in fights. And well, and who can forget the summer of love in 2020 where Biden, where Biden voters burned down cities worldwide, or worldwide, nationwide, causing billions of dollars in property damage and taking dozens of lives. Mm-hmm. Biden voters did that in 2020. In, after Trump's inauguration, 2017, Biden supporters tr- knocked down the gates to the White House and lit the guardhouse on fire and then proceeded to riot through the streets of Washington, D.C., burning down a church. Biden supporters have been responsible for sh- a shocking amount of violence against everyday citizens over the last, why now, seven years? It's yeah. It's not stopping anytime soon. I remember when a Biden supporter shot a bunch of congressmen, nearly killing at least one of them, screaming, this is for health care. Yeah. And it's all laid at the foot, and you can lay all of it at the feet of the Democrat Party and the news media that intentionally tries to radicalize people to this level of violence and then excuses them and in many cases organizes legal defense funds to help get them off afterwards. Yeah. I mean, this is so notable and yeah, it's for some it's repetitive, but this is so excessively notable, especially under the shadow of the Hollywood produced January 6th show trial. I mean, they hired an ABC executive producer. They had teleprompters with scripts. Also, nobody watched it. Uh, Real quick, uh, we'll we'll get back into the Brett Kavanaugh thing in a second. But real quick, uh, give give me the chance to um, go through. Let's do some. Let's do some numbers, folks. Um, Let's talk numbers on the January sixth hearings. This was supposed to be. The big event, right? Every every shit lib on Twitter was like, "I'm settling in to watch the January six hearings." Like, I mean, this was this was cope porn for the left. It was just a massive amount of cope porn, and like Mark Hamill had to tweet out a picture of himself getting ready to watch democracy be saved. It's just, it's so pathetic. They, they act like the real world is some Marvel movie and they're starring in it. It is just so gross. But uh, this comes to us from the Western Journal. Uh, it is titled TV ratings for January 6th hearings are in. Viewers change the channel in droves. All right, so here, here's the actual numbers. 
Ratings for Thursday night's primetime hearing by the House panel investigating the January 6, 2021 Capitol incursion show Americans would have preferred some straight news. In a review of ratings shared by Newsbusters, a clear pattern emerged. Every one of the three major broadcast networks that aired the hearing ended up with a smaller audience than if they had simply provided their usual news content. For example, ABC's 4.35 million viewers for the hearing might seem impressive, but it usually draws 7.4 million for World World News Tonight. The same trend was repeated on NBC, where the novelty of a primetime hearing attracted 3.31 million viewers, about half of the 6.06 million who usually watch the news on NBC. Over at CBS, Curiosity managed to attract 3.24 million viewers, but that was below the nightly average of 4.3 million. What that means is nobody wanted to watch. Not only did nobody want to watch it, the regular people who would have tuned into those broadcast networks tuned in and went, ah, no. Yeah. And is it it surprising? This stuff is boring. Like who's gonna sit? No, nobody watches C-SPAN. Nobody's tuning in to watch anything. It's like if I turned on the TV, and all I saw was a bunch of people in Congress sitting around talking. It's like this isn't some flashy courtroom drama like Law and Order. It's just, it's boring. So no wonder no one wanted to watch it. But if you were to believe what the left had been saying you know, for the last couple of weeks, especially the day of. This was like the biggest television event in history. That certainly is how they wanted to make it sound. But but additionally, dubious (laughs) people, but additionally, the American people are so concerned about it. And no, they're not. Yeah. That's the big, that's the biggest part. They're not. Nobody is. Nobody cares. In fact, there's a hilarious thing. You can go onto our Twitter um, and go take a uh, take a look at it. We retweeted it a few days ago. Uh, but on the live stream of it, I think it was from uh, USA Today that was uh, live streaming it on YouTube. Uh, the majority of the comments were people making jokes about the movie Morbius. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> like there's just a bunch of Morbius jokes in the comments thread. Nobody's ta- the only people that are taking this seriously are deranged Democrat activists, their apparatchiks in the media, and their apparatchiks in Hollywood. Those are the only people who give a damn about January 6th. And let me explain to you why. And, and, and forgive me if I sound a little too optimistic about it, but I, I do believe that this is true. Let, let me explain to you why. There's not a single American that sees anything that happened on January 6th as shocking and appalling when applied against what regular Americans had to go through in the summer of 2020 with the Antifa BLM riots that were entirely encouraged by the left-wing media and Democrat politicians. This was not shocking. In fact, I think many Americans saw this as just desserts. I, I don't know about you, Alan, but I perceive when people go and protest their government, regardless of if they're left or right, 
I don't see that as a problem. I've never seen it as problematic, maybe annoying, maybe stupid. I might make fun of their cause. But when a bunch of liberal activists uh, lined the halls in Congress before and demanded entrance into the offices of Nancy Pelosi and other uh, representatives in the House— uh, over climate change, I didn't see this as you know potential terrorism. I didn't see it as scary. I see that as American as apple pie. Sure, like I'm going to make fun that. of their cause. I'm going to say that it's dumb. You know, if I disagree with it, but protesting your government is that's normal. What's been shocking over the last you know several years has been when people stopped protesting their government and hurting their fellow citizens. Those are the issues that we've had with protest. Aiming your protest right. at a government makes sense. It's normal. That's li- that was the whole point of the First Amendment was the ability for you to be able to openly protest your government and prevent tyranny. So none of that is shocking. The idea of people getting angry at their government is a normal American trait. So people are not going to be shocked by this. Nobody who is part of Occupy Wall Street is going to be horrified. They might hate the people involved, but they're not horrified by the idea of people marching into the Capitol because that's exactly what Occupy Wall Street was. So there's a bunch of mostly liberals who were part of the Occupy Wall Street movement that can't honestly sit there and say, well, this is horrifying. Most of them were probably like, but shit, we should have done that, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or they did do it. Or they did do it. In 2017, when Donald Trump was inaugurated, they rioted in the streets. Now, I will I will say there are a ton of Democrats who weren't part of those riots, but they were part of the march. They were part of the protest. So just a few years prior, Democrats did exactly the same thing. And all we were annoyed about were the riots. The woman's march we made fun of. The riots yeah. were the things that we said were unacceptable because they were smashing up windows and, and businesses and whatever. Now, you can get it. I know some people are going to want to wring their hands and say, well, people fighting with p- police officers. Blah. Okay, I get it. I get it, guys. And yeah, I mean, if you get into, if you start punching a police officer, you can't be surprised that you've been arrested. Just going to put sure. that out there. Of course, like nobody's shocked by that. But when you're literally holding people for a year in prison and then charging them with parading. All right, guys, like we can all accept. It's just the point I'm making here is every American sees this and doesn't care because we went through it. I can give you my own example. I like I live in in a little in a suburb in northern Virginia. And we didn't really have a whole lot that's occurred because of like Black Lives Matter stuff here. But I do remember at one point I went to the store and there were a bunch of pallets of like wood chips and sand and whatever just sitting in the entrance, which seemed a little odd. And I went in with my daughter and we were going to go buy a few things. And they were announcing that the store was closing and it was like 5 p.m. And so I find I asked him. I was like, "Hey, like, what's going on? Why are you Why are you guys closing so quickly? Because we went in there, we were going to do some like shopping." And I was like, "Well, crap, we have to grab like the essentials and get get out of here because they're closing down." And the uh, response was, "Oh, well, there's a Black Lives Matter protest across the street, so we're closing everything down and we're going to block the doors with these pallets uh, in case they riot." Yeah. That's and that's awfully alarming to think. Wait, that 
that's happening in my town, in my community where I live. And there's, there's no way that it only happened in my town. Well, I mean, yours, good. you lost blocks of your city. That's true. Yes. But <laughs> how many towns did this happen in? Yeah. How many regular people were like, oh, well, we can't, we can't go to, you know, Main Street. We can't go to the Strip uh, today because there's probably going to be a riot. And yeah, people people want to make the claim of like there were so many different protests and only a small percentage of them were riots. Well, it was that's more a, than one. That's not a winning message, I don't feel. Yeah, there it was more than one. January 6th was at best you could call it a riot. I think that you're being, you know, partisan when you do. Um you get one as compared to the hundreds that occurred. All backed by Democrat yeah. politicians, by the way. All backed by Democrat politicians. But the reality yeah, no is... No problem with any of that. The establishment wants everybody to know it's okay if your city gets burned down for our politics. But God help you if any of those pores come walking into the house. Yeah. Which, which is exactly why they are doing January 6th hearings. Like, I can't believe that I can't believe that we, sitting here in the most hated institution in America, ever had to deal with the, the ramifications of our actions. <laughs> hey, uh, guys, are we the baddies? Yeah. <laughs> we the Which, most hated institution. It is rather bizarre when you think about it that, so that all these people never expected any of this to bite them in the ass. Right. And, but... But back back to our original point, our original thing here is a man was going to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh. And mind you, a little little, you know, news item here. Um, it is yet to have been condemned. By Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi or Kamala Harris. Great. Or Chuck Schumer. Are, are, I mean, maybe, maybe, did I, maybe I missed it. Did I miss it somewhere? It's barely covered in the news, so there's no impetus for them to uh, to condemn it. Yeah. You know, the guy even had a big, bad, evil weapon of death that could have blown somebody's lungs out. <laughs> oh, he had, he had a 9 millimeter. He had a, It was a oh, whole 9mm, no. Alan. An entire 9mm. That's the horror. The horror. <laughs> It could blow your lung out of your body. Man's inhumanity to man made manifest. <laughs> it's like the fields of Athenry out here. Jeez. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Shock- yeah. Shocking. I'm, I'm, I'm appalled that he would bring such a weapon of war. Um, oh, yeah. Weapons of every <laughs> of war. You say? My God. It's what has this so, nation come to? <laughs> it's so dumb. But no, the, the the thing is though, is it's like well not only he traveled from I wanna know how a guy from California got a hold of a handgun. I mean you can get them. Yeah. They just suck. Yeah, they just suck and have low capacity. Yeah. Mm. Well and they have to be only firearms in the official list. And then if you're the, I think it is uh, Heckler and Koch, the the fine German company that makes guns that are too expensive for most normal people. Ah, um, the norms. 
they are Bailey's pulling entirely out of the California market because they don't want to pay the fine, the fee anymore. So because California's regulations are, if you want to sell guns in this in California, you have to pay a fee in order to be allowed on the list of of safe firearms or firearms that the California state government has decided are acceptable and safe. Uh, and if you don't pay the fee, then your entire product line, even ones that were previously approved, all get all can't be sold anymore because they're now unsafe. Hmm. So here's um, here's a uh, an, an article uh, that's also interesting from the Tennessee Star. Uh, Nancy Pelosi justifies not passing bill to increase security to Supreme Court justices. Uh, despite the arrest Wednesday of an armed man who allegedly claimed he intended to kill Justice Brett Kavanaugh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi defended not passing a House bill to increase security at justices' homes and gruffly responded to a reporter, I don't know what you're talking about. Nobody is in danger. Uh, here's, here's a clip of that audio real quick. Hang on one second. on Justice Kavanaugh's life. You said the justices are protected, but there was an attempt on Justice Kavanaugh's life. But this is about security for the justices. An armed man showed up near Justice Kavanaugh's house to try to good a little hard to hear the audio there i'm sure but um i i I don't know what you're talking about nobody's in danger no one's in danger it's fine well and this goes they just they're lying to our faces it used to be they at least had the decency of hiding behind the media and make someone else do it but now it is so blatant yeah no in in and insane um, I just, nobody's in danger. This is no big deal. And I, I know, I know it gets, it gets very annoying to, to say these things, but, um, if it were a liberal justice, this would be primetime news. They'd be having an investigation right now. Uh, every, everybody right of Karl Marx would be being looked at, you know, with a jaundiced eye. Um, this, this would be insane. Oh yeah. So you know, it's it, it it's incredible because yeah they they lie. I mean it's and that's the whole thing is she doesn't think anyone's in danger. It's almost to the point, and I know I know that this is a little. Uh, um, I know people aren't going to like this, uh, but to the point, um, I think I, I think it's reasonable if somebody were to say that the. Democrats want a Supreme Court justice assassinated because they would love yeah. for November to run on an open SCOTUS seat. 
and and the delay yeah. of the abortion ruling. Yeah. I mean, I know I know people are going to maybe roll their eyes on that or maybe hate it and say that it's partisan or whatever. But like, I, I mean, we're at the point now where it's, like, you know, prove me wrong. You have to at least wonder with everything else they do, all the lie. If they're willing to lie about all these different things, they're willing to say, oh, it's a, that higher prices at the pump. That's not our green energy initiative that we've been planning for years. That's uh, that's just food and price hike. Food and price hike, everybody. We gotta, we gotta spend forty more billion dollars in the UK to protect democracy. Yeah, they're willing to tell me all that. I, I'm not sure they wouldn't be willing to assassinate a Supreme Court justice. Well, and it's uh, it, it's interesting you bring that up. Um, let's see here. Clicking around a bit, but uh, let me let me let me see if I can bring up the uh, uh, audio of what we've heard so far from Joe Biden with regards to inflation and things like that. Uh, let's let's uh, it, this is from everything from like a year. ago. This is one year ago in his predictions. Here we go. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah but remember when so by the way that that's from one year ago and what it is is biden is addressing the fact that there were several people on the right uh, several conservative commentators that were saying we are going to experience inflation because of joe biden's policies and at that time at that time the reaction was Republicans don't know what they're talking about. There's not going to be any inflation. It's not real. This is a conspiracy theory. It was a right-wing conspiracy theory. Oh, no. That's the worst um, kind of conspiracy theory. <laughs> the worst of conspiracy theories. And so, and that, that was, that's the idea was they, they just flat out lied about it. They just said, it's not going to happen. Then when it happened, it became the Putin price hike. Yeah. Or it was because, and which is funny because that's not even landing. It was the uh, it was the Putin price hike, um, and and then also also it was well it's the Putin price hike, but also it's because of COVID. Now, yeah. we have by the way. So, uh, don't believe your lying eyes and your lying ears, and the fact that your money is not going any further than it has before um, because the new line. So, oh, apparently they couldn't hear anything. Uh, I pulled oh. this whole thing from Biden and you guys couldn't even hear it. This is bullshit. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm sorry. I will summarize. <laughs> uh, Bi Biden said that um, it, in, it, if you couldn't hear what, what was played there, what he did say was that, uh, Inflation is not going to happen, and if they did and made a mistake, 
uh, everyone would, would be able to see it because obviously prices would go up. Um, and here we are now, right? Yeah. So, but additionally, um, the new thing. So it started with there isn't going to be inflation. Then it was that it's transitory. Uh, then it was actually it's going to be a good thing because it's going to just hurt rich people. Then it was oh, um, then it was uh, you know Putin price hike gas price whatever. Now the the new lie is the economy's actually great. Everything's good, and if you don't believe it, if you think the economy's bad, it's because you're ultra super mega maga. Which is, by the way, bad. That that means you're a terrorist. Uh, here's here's uh, here's Joe Biden once again uh, posing with a bunch of shipping containers behind him for reasons unbeknownst to anyone. Um, but uh, here's here's his statement earlier this week. Since I took office, families are carrying less debt on average in America. They have more savings than they've had, and we're doing it all while cutting the federal deficit by one. Point seven trillion dollars this year what? and 320 billion last if i hear one of my mega friends once again talk about debt and deficits i'm i'm gonna be good uh, since i took off yeah so let me tell you how they play this fun game um first of all obviously i think to everybody he's lying yeah no the economy's doing great you just can't afford shit yeah. But that's probably because you're ultra super MAGA. Um, number two. Also, I, how, did, how are we going to reduce the deficit by a trillion dollars? So let me explain how he did this. Um, when he says, I reduced the deficit. Well, what what's the deficit? Because he didn't say debt. He said yeah. deficit. So what's the deficit? Um, and and this, is, this is the fun political tap dancing. A deficit is the difference between the amount of money you said you were going to spend and the amount of money that you did spend. That's that's how they're playing this game. I mean, typically a deficit is how much you didn't make in your budget, right? I budgeted right. this much money. A surplus means you have more money than you thought. A deficit means that you have less, right? Like yeah. we weren't able to pay for everything. He right. says he reduced the deficit, which means he reduced debt. Uh, like we we actually didn't overextend ourselves as much. That's what he's trying to say. One point seven well, trillion three hundred twenty eight billion. Where did those numbers come from? You might ask. I I do ask. I, I I might. Joe Biden did not was not able to pass the American uh, Rescue Plan, or no, I'm sorry, the Build Back Better Plan. He was not able to pass the Build Back Better Plan. Okay. The price of Build Back Better was one point seven trillion dollars. He is patting himself on the back and celebrating, saying we didn't spend $1.7 trillion that we said we were going to. I'm such a good guy. Huh. He is bragging about the fact that he could not pass all of the spending he wanted to pass. And that's a good thing. Almost like he meant to. I intended to spend $1.7 trillion on Build Back Better, but Joe Manchin held it up in the Senate, and it did not pass, and I should get credit for that. He is literally, while you are paying $5 a gallon at the pump, while your food prices have gone up, and I have the numbers, 
So yeah. while while you're paying five dollars at the pump, and additionally, chicken. All right, so groceries have gone up eleven point nine percent, the largest year to year increase since nineteen seventy nine, which by the way was when Jimmy Carter was president. Chicken is up 17.4%. Restaurants are up 9%. Fuel oil is up 107%. Electricity is up 12%. Rent is up 5.2%. Airfare, 37.8%. Services, 5.7%. All of those increases, those are real. Those are tangible. Those are trackable. While all of that is happening, Joe Biden is saying, you should give me credit because I didn't spend as much as I said, which would have made these numbers worse. Wow. That's what he's saying. Because is the government spending less? Absolutely not. Imagine they would be. No. In fact, we ended Afghanistan just to turn around and start another war. Shocking. That's billions of dollars that we could have not been spending. And of course, you know, since the Secretary of Defense is a Raytheon board member, he was like, well, shit, I got dividends I got to worry about. Uh, Where can we start a war, Joe? I got monies to be made. (laughs) Well, Ukraine's looking a little shady. I bet we could... (laughs) push the Russians into invading Ukraine like they want to. Yeah. Hey guys, you know how, you know, we own most of Ukraine. (laughs) That they certainly, they certainly seem to. Um, In fact, that's one thing I will say over the last couple months, learning about exactly how interconnected the U S government and politicians are with the Ukraine has been shocking. Oh yeah thought oh it's just ukraine it's just some country but no uh, it's, it's like we have the pentagon you remember that hearing about all those bio labs in ukraine run by the pentagon now the yep. pentagon just admitted that that was true why is the u.s department of defense spending what i can only imagine must be millions of dollars to run 46 different bio labs in the ukraine what, what's going on there and why are they running it in the ukraine and not on american soil Maybe there's good reasons for it, but I'm pretty much inclined to believe it's nothing but something nefarious. Yeah, you don't you don't get to call. Well, you you don't you don't get to screech conspiracy theory anymore when every time they turn out to be correct. Yeah, you know, because they they called it a conspiracy theory. Yeah, it wasn't. It was true. And, And they try to move the goalposts because, you know, what? What we were seeing were people saying like, oh, my God, here's another country that has a bunch of bio labs. And it was because there was a Democrat that was like, well, we're concerned what's going on uh, with Russia because they might be able to get into one of these bio labs. And that could be real scary. And everyone goes, why? Why would it be real scary? Yeah. What would be scary about it? Yeah. Is there something in the bio labs that is worrisome? And what made it amazing was the the fact checkers came rushing out and said there's nothing that indicates there's any chemical weapons in these bio labs it's like um we didn't say chemical weapons we just mentioned the bio labs why are you trying to get ahead of that <laughs> why is that the thing you're trying to get ahead of yeah like- um 
Well, it, chemical, whatever kind of weapons are in there, it doesn't matter. Just don't pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. So, um, because because we're going to kind of dance around a little bit. Not like let, let's let's go back to uh, we were talking about Kavanaugh, the fact that somebody was going to assassinate him. What's even more amazing is the first thing that I ever brought up was, OK, so how's the left going to blame the right wing for this one and uh, leave it to CNN to be the best group of people to do so? Uh, here is CNN's Whitley, uh, Whitney Wilde uh, trying to figure out the best way to spin uh, once again, once again, I'm going to say this once again, another uh, assassination attempt by a Democrat against conservatives and Republicans. Um, here's here's what she had to say. Issue. There are emotions on Sorry about sides. that. Hang on. Oh, my God. Uh, very little detail at this point, Kate, other than to say uh, it's an, this man is uh, he's an adult man from California. We don't yet know what the nature of the threat was. We don't know what language the threat was uh, or what kind of weapon this man might have had, uh, if he had one at all, uh, because the information at this point uh, is just so thin. But, Kate, this this certainly contributes to this overall threat landscape we've been talking a lot about. The major concern here with this abortion ruling from federal officials, and they've been sounding the alarm, alarm on this for about a month, is that Supreme Court justices will certainly be, uh, you know, potentially targeted by violent extremists who are angered over this pending ruling that is poised to strike down Roe v. Wade. This is an extremely passionate issue. There are emotions on both sides. Federal officials have made clear over and over they believe the risk truly comes from both sides of this abortion debate. Uh, so certainly this case, uh, you know, really solidifying what federal officials have been warning about. People are angry. They might seek to use the abortion. Really, it's on both sides. Really? So, like, please explain to me um, what violence would pro-life people inflict over, like, winning? Yeah, it's... uh. That one's confusing to me. Yeah. Now, in addition to that, it's it's funny because now why does she need to carry the water so hard? Well, because there has been a an extreme amount of violence against pregnancy centers that are is not being covered in the news. Uh, one was burned down recently. Several have been firebombed and a dozen more have been vandalized. All over the country. And bear in mind, these are just pregnancy centers. These are the basically the alternative to, oh, do you not want to kill your baby? Well, we can help you with things like adoption and support, you know, and charity. I mean, these aren't sure. even like it's not like there's a bunch of pregnancy centers out there that I mean, like, I guess, like, what's the activism here? You know what I mean? Like, what threat against abortion do pregnancy centers that just don't do abortion actually pose well the threat when it comes to the left the threat is is that they disagree that's the threat i I mean that's it um and so that's the big massive threat that everyone has to be worried about is uh there's an alternative to my opinion so i'm gonna go burn it to the ground well the left doesn't want to talk about that and yeah what they're talking about is the dhs did release um basically a threat warning that was like things like the abortion issue are going to increase, uh, or, or, you know, increase the potential of violence. But everybody's, well, well, you know, on both sides, on both sides. 
Why would anybody who's pro-life commit any violence right now be like winning the abortion? I, I don't understand. Yeah, that it doesn't it doesn't pass a lot of muster. They doesn't wanna, make much sense. They want to go back to the 1990s where they were talking about how uh, you know abortion doctors had to wear body armor. You know, going into yeah. work. That that's what they want. They want to be like, well, I mean, there's a threat too. Like, what are you talking about? There's not a single person in the right wing that's going to go rush out and be like, oh man, I'm winning so hard. You know what I'm going to do? Give Democrats every excuse to call me a terrorist. Yeah, it, it certainly it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Well, and what's amazing about it is trying to play the both sides argument is hilarious because if there were radicalized groups on the right of which I, I I'm still not sure who they are. You know, um, it, it's, it's hilarious because I, I kept asking this question and then there's people like they get that one shooting that happened in Buffalo and everyone's like, Hey guys, remember when you said that there aren't right wing terrorists? Gur-hur-hur. It's like, Oh, you got one. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You got, you got a guy. Oh, and he also said he wasn't conservative. Oh, and he hated people like Tucker Carlson. Oh, and he picked an AR-15 specifically because he said that the media would flip out over it and ban them. Oh. Yeah. Weird. But also, one guy who also still didn't fit, but okay, one one guy amidst... We just named... We, we checked off several. I mean, we talked about two two assassination attempts that have occurred um, in the last you know several years. Um, and then obviously all the violence we talked about in 2020, you get one guy and all of a sudden it's like <coughs> all the violence that we've committed is all fine because this one guy, this one guy went into a shopping mall once. Yeah. Killed some people. It was real bad. Yeah, it was real bad. No, but, but, but that's, that's the point. The, the, the point I'm making here is they have to both sides this argument because not only that, it's you're going to actually see a decrease in any activity that could even be perceived as violent. For example, you're not going to see right-wing groups as much try to go and protest or counter-protest left-wing things because everybody knows that there's a two-tier justice system. Everybody knows for a fact that Antifa could literally murder you and nothing will happen. But if you so much as push them back with a flagpole, you'll be arrested for assault and spend 20 years in prison. Yeah. So it's kind of hilarious because in the Soviet-esque trial system that the left has set up, you're going to see a decrease of anything that can even be twisted as right-wing violence. But the left is still going to run run roughshod over regular people. Definitely. And so it's going to be fascinating. In fact, um, we have sort of a, an incident like that. What's, how do you pronounce this Idaho town, Alan? Coeur d'Alene. Coeur d'Alene. I, when I see it written, I'm like, um, yes, but it's French, I believe. Yeah. Well, so that's, well, I like women. Um, no, <laughs> the, so Coeur d'Alene, uh, had some big pride festival, which before we get into all the protest stuff, 
once again, once again, several videos coming out of this Pride in the Park, which is what it was called. Several videos of this of just a bunch of drag queens twerking in front of kids. Gross. Yeah, like, it's just weird. And it's it's hilarious. Like, you and I were talking about this last night, and I don't I don't want to get too far away from the point here, but how many people in the establishment Democrat Party are just sitting there throwing their hands in the air and screaming because they're like, oh my God, like we are gonna lose every single election because we can't stop these people. And it's totally indefensible. Like it's one thing for people to be like, I don't th- like if somebody wants to be a drag queen and dance around at a club, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. Nobody can defend. No, it's totally fine for them to like twerk around in front of kids because yeah. just, just understand it's not drag queens coming out like, like just wandering out and being like, hi, I'm a drag queen. And what that means is that I am a, I am a man and I dress up as like a woman as part of a performance. And it's something that empowers me and makes me feel great. That would be something that would be difficult for people to be like, I hate that you're doing that to kids because then the the left would be like, but this is a person and you're being shitty and you're being mean and a bigot. Okay. That's not what's happening. What's happening is these people are doing Super hypersexual dances, and part but of me is like, it, it's direct and it's and it's directed at kids, and it's really gross. Well, so you're right in your point, but let me let me take a second. It's not directed at kids. It is, I guess. But, it, my, but it's I not. would say, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know who disagrees with you. Exactly. <laughs> well, no, no, right. Like that's the thing. The only. The only reason why anyone disagrees is because uh, my side good, your side bad. Pretty much, yeah. Like, like that's what the establishment Democrat Party has to deal with right now electorally is, oh my God, are you kidding me? We're defending a dude twerking in front of a bunch of kids at a high school assembly? And it's like, well, yeah, because the Trumpers hate it. Now, when when you said you said it's directed at kids, and yes, that that is true, but it's also not directed at kids. That's not what is. That's not what's exciting. Uh, these activists, the drag queens, the, the 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 transgenders, and whatever. That's not what's exciting them into this activity. Mm-hmm. It's not them. They're not excited to go out and twerk in front of kids. They're excited to go twerk in front of conservative parents. They want conservative uh, parents seeing yeah. them twerking in front of their kids. It is this vengeful, gross action. Like it's the sneering smugness of <laughs> your kid has to watch. Yeah. And that's, I, I, I personally know a lot of more liberal people, Democrat people that are getting to the point now where they have to sit there and be like, I know that this is all just gross vengeance anger. I can't justify this. Yeah. These people are doing this just to piss people off and then sneer at them. And that's not good politics, no matter what. Right. Like, the, there's no way this makes me feel like the good guy. 
Exactly. And like, what's amazing is uh, I can't remember the school and I'm sorry. I, maybe I'll be able to pull up the uh, news story, but there, there was a, uh, there was an incident. It might've been earlier this month or possibly last month, but there was an incident where one of the drag queen story hours was going on and uh, it was an accident, but one of the drag queens flashed the entire class. I mean, like just had his junk out accident, there. Huh? Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we hope it was an accident. It's one of those things where you say like, oh, it, it was an accident. Or it, what a convenient accident to have, I suppose. Is, why couldn't, why couldn't, why couldn't you cover your bits before you went and spoke to kids? Also, why is there a drag queen in a school? Why is it? Why are they near kids? Why any of this? This none of this makes sense, and it's all insane. Oh, I mean, um, New York City schools has spent over two hundred thousand dollars on drag queen shows. That's crazy. That came from the New do, York Post. Do, is does the drag queen lobby <laughs> like have some like what? Why do they have any kind of I don't know pull with the schools? Yeah, beat a uh, the big big drag. Um. Yeah, why is big drag anywhere near the kids? <laughs> it doesn't. Oh it just God. doesn't make sense to me. I don't think it makes sense to a lot of people. Well, and and it, it, things things have uh, this this for those of you who don't know, it's Pride Month, by the way. So um, gross. Um, and companies have gotten weird. Uh, there was a Postmates advertisement. Um, what is Postmates? I don't, I, you know, I'm going to be, honest. I think they delete. Oh, they delete the lip. They're like, I'm too lazy to go buy food myself. Yeah. Okay. Great. One of those things. Yeah. Great. I mean, I, I, I've never used it, but I was like somewhat aware of it, but yeah, it's a, it's a food delivery service. Um, but they had an ad, but, and it's, it's a bunch of, fruits dressed up all weird um in okay. like fetish clothes and dance and like moving around and and the tweet says you shouldn't miss a good meal for a good time that's why this pride we've teamed up with dr evan goldstein and smart throb to create the world's first bottom friendly menu ew Yeah. So it's like, here's stuff you can eat that would nah. make butt sex okay. Ugh. <laughs> did, so, did someone at the company sit down and come up with that? It's like, all right, I need five of my top food engineers. All right, now here's the problem. We need to, do we want more fiber or, or less? How do we want to make this? Get a yeah, call a proctologist. You're gonna make something. The days will go nuts for it. Yeah, it was, and it's a. The worst part is it's a bunch of like food dressed up in like fetish clothes, like the leather straps and the spiky stuff. Oh, and so then, a like, bunch of fruits. <laughs> it's a bunch oh. of fruits dressed like fruits. Um, and it's ah. an advertisement. <laughs> it's an advertisement that's like, "Hey guys, we know you like the butt stuff. Um, we've made a menu. If you just go over and click the butt stuff part of our menu, 
But yeah, no, you're right. Like somebody had to sit down and it was like, well, what do we do as a food delivery service for pride? And somebody's like, well, what if we suggested a bunch of butt sex friendly food? And they went, do it. Capital idea. Yeah. Capital idea. Like, if there's one thing I know about Pride Month, it's that the gays and their butt sex is the thing I'm concerned about. Yeah. <laughs> so, by the way, just just for fun, have you noticed that, like, lesbians have basically, like, it feels like lesbians have disappeared. It certainly does. Like, everything about the whole LGBTQ well, first of all, everybody's transgender now, right? So, like, they've dominated the entire sphere. But so much of just, like, the gay community has always been gay men. Yeah. And, like, don't don't misunderstand this. This isn't like the girl-on-girl huh, girl stuff is so great. Like, no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. It's just... For as... Liberal women are very loud. And, like, we've seen a lot of, like, the crazy feminist, like, protesty stuff... You would mm-hmm. think that, like, the lesbian side of the LGBT movement would be super loud and boisterous and, like, in your face by comparison to what you see with, like, feminism and, and other, like, women's issues. But they're not. And I just I I, think, I just, I find that curious. I think it's, it, I think when they added the T to LGBT, mm-hmm. they, uh, they marginalized all of the lesbians. Because yeah. what's what really is a woman? <laughs> I feel like we should get a little bit of ad revenue for that that statement. But I, I say that, and I'm not totally. Uh, I'm not mocking it completely. I'm not not totally facetious, because I mean that is sort of the the thing we're all circling is like, well, what is actually a woman, and blah, all these things, and. I think that's why the lesbians have kind of dropped out of it because feminism basically isn't gone and went so hard towards promoting transgenderism because in actuality, feminism is only ever just another facet of this leftist hydra. And so it was like, well, trans are a new way to subvert and demoralize the host country. Okay. Yeah. We support trans trans stuff now. And I mean, that's, and it means that they can no longer advocate for women things because that means they have to advocate for men things too, because mm-hmm. you can, they're inseparable the two. It's really funny that they've just destroyed the entire movement between each other. Now, um, yeah, that was just it's just kind of a it is it is kind of a quizzical thought, right? Um, mm-hmm. To add to other weird dumb things that have gone on we're we're still we're still sitting so so part part of the other theme first of all you know somebody tried to kill a a supreme court justice uh there's been a bunch of violence against uh pregnancy centers um all of this is being ignored by the media and you're supposed to be you're supposed to be worried about january 6th because that's how that's how the democrats are able to oppress their political um opponents which will get to a like very specific situation Um, how that's, how that's being used. Um, but let's also, uh, bring up, oh, I'm sorry. We, sorry. I, we went on a whole rabbit hole. We started talking about, uh, Coeur d'Alene. Yeah. 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 I'm so sorry. I I went on a, we went on a total tangent. We were talking about Coeur d'Alene. Of course. course. Um, Sweet Coeur d'Alene. 
Coeur d'Alene had their Pride in the Park event. And what's fascinating is we saw, uh, so there were a bunch of Antifa members that showed up. There were a bunch of, uh, the Church of Satan was highly represented there. Oh! Um, so there was a bunch of that. And there were obviously counter protests. There, there were, there were. I'm sorry, there were protests because it was an event. So they had uh, pride in the park, and there were uh, protests. Now, the Patriot Front, whom we've heard of before, showed up at Coeur d'Alene um, in a U-Haul truck, and thirty-something members. I think it was like thirty-seven uh, members of them were detained and then arrested. Oh, now, no. th- this is what's interesting is the the Patriot Front is the new boogeyman uh, for the left. Now, I don't really right. know a lot about the Patriot Front, nor do I care. I mean, it's it's honestly, it's one of those whatever situations for me. What I do know, the thing that I can tell you about the Patriot Front is I have heard liberals screech about how they're this big, scary, like supposedly militaristic organization that, you know, they cover their faces, which so does Antifa, and I think that that's why they do it. You know, I, I think they they literally cover their faces in white as a, like, juxtaposition against the black block that Democrats cover, that black that Democrats do. Um, and these are guys that show up in basically polos and khakis, and they go march somewhere, and then they leave. So what I've oh, heard no. is that these are big, ultra, super scary, oh my goodness, Patriot Front, super scary, scary, but they don't do anything. Now, they showed up. The police were tipped off. uh, According to the police, uh, they they had an informant. So somebody tipped them off that they were coming, and they arrested them on conspiracy to riot. And according to the police, inside the U-Haul truck, they had what they said were shields and spears, which I oh. highly doubt it was spears. I, I'm sure it was sticks or something of that nature. Yeah. No, it's it, when when I've seen them march before, they carry basically, imagine like a those plastic 55-gallon drums. Imagine those cut in half. And usually right. they'll have a phalanx of guys with those shields on the end, maybe sticks. I can't really remember. But right. on the edges and then all the marchers in the middle – Ostensibly because they know if Antifa shows up, they're going to want to attack their march, and they have guys with basically these shields ready to block them. Right. Uh, right. And even if they had spears, and who it, they didn't have spears. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I'm sure that there weren't a bunch of guys that were like literally putting spears together because, come on. The thing is, um, it, it doesn't fit the pattern of any other Patriot Front march that I've ever seen. Every single time, it's always been actually shockingly peaceful. Right. Well, and that's what I mean is like they, they, they were on the national mall um, a couple months ago. It was the last time we talked about them. They were mm-hmm. on the national mall and everyone was like, Oh God. Oh no. And then nothing happened because they, they showed up, they marched, they left. Right. Right. Um, and, and, and to, just like every other right wing, anything, the only time violence happens is when Antifa shows up. I'm I'm I, I'm going to say this yeah. again, and I know I know that I I know that some of my milk toast you know squishy conservative friends get real upset about this because for some reason you still listen to the liberal media, but if Antifa didn't show up in Charlottesville, you would have never heard about it. That's very true. You would have never heard about it because nothing would have happened. Some guys would have gone and done a thing. 
and then they would have left and that's it. Yep. And that's every time, every time there's one factor when violence breaks out at any sort of conservative or right wing rally. And that is Antifa every single time. Now that doesn't mean that the only time Antifa and black lives matter commits violence is when there's a right wing rally. That is also untrue because there've been plenty of instances throughout the entire summer of 2020 where they're perfectly fine committing violence without the need of any right wing activism. Right. So let me say that now the reason for all of this is the police arrested them on very, a very dubious, uh, situation of conspiracy to riot, which, um, is, has already had plenty of people comment on how these charges are likely going to be dropped because of the potential civil rights implications. Certainly. But that wasn't the point. The point was never to jail them. The point was never to, well, first of all, the point was to make it to where they didn't march because of the potential violence maybe, or whatever you could, I could see how a bunch of idiots could justify this of let's just detain them. Then we don't have to worry about Antifa freaking out and there'll be no fighting in our streets. Right. That's what makes that's the way police have done this in before is they essentially will arrest people and say, oh, that's in conspiracy. But essentially, we're just detaining this group away from the scenario so that we don't have a bigger issue. getting get, well, So we don't have this get out of hand. Right. We know you're right wing. We know you showed up. We know this is, is going to be provocative. We know a bunch of le- the left wingers here are going to go nuts if they see you protesting. We don't want to deal with it, so we're just going to arrest you, and if the, we'll charge you with whatever. Come here, conspiracy to riot. It's it'll hold up enough. We can drop it later, and then we don't have to deal with it because thanks to all of these idiots defunding police departments everywhere. I don't know if they did that in Coeur d'Alene, but it's a pretty much a liberal bastion in Idaho, and it wouldn't surprise me. They were like, we don't have the staff on hand to actually deal with a riot anymore, so we're going to nip this in the bud. Right. But on top of that, they did charge them with conspiracy to riot, which, to be completely honest means that all of their identities are going to be revealed. These people are going to get doxxed and you're 100% going to see left-wing activists trying to contact employers and identify like the, the mainstream media is going to identify these people. There's going to be a bunch of people that are going to lose their jobs. Maybe. I mean, probably possibly, probably, but it all depends on how well, on what the police department does. I could, it would not surprise me if the police department in Coeur d'Alene took steps to hide to hide their identities. It's it, it's possible, but okay. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be completely honest. I'm not entirely sure, but I do believe that bookings become public record. Okay. I don't know. So, so that's the thing. If they detained these guys. And now there's a lot of nuance here. There's entirely a possibility. But if they detained these guys, that could happen. If they officially arrested them, which everything I'm seeing suggests that they were and that they were charged, that means that there is going to be a public record. It's going to say so-and-so 
was charged with conspiracy to riot on such and such a day. And that is accessible by the news media. Well, it's accessible by anybody, but it's particularly easy to get to by the news media. They will be able to get those names. Now, maybe it doesn't go that far. I'm not sure. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe they just did that. And then there is some sort of like left foot, right foot trickery where the police department was like, oh yeah, we were gonna, but then we didn't, you know, maybe they can do that. But I, I do believe that they are being held. I do believe that they are being charged. And in that event, that means the media will absolutely get, and maybe it's not the police department's hope or want or whatever doesn't matter. Um, if they are officially charged, that means that the news media is going to reveal the identities of all of these people. And you are going to see, uh, Democrats and liberals in the media go after the employers of all of these people. That is, that is a hundred percent going to happen yeah. if their names are accessible. True. Uh, now I would just say in previous times when Patriot front has done events other places, that sort of thing has not happened. Well, right. Because they haven't done anything to predicate right. and any official thing. And they still didn't hear, like I said, it's a dubious charge. Um, I, so you have to look at it a couple of ways. It is possible that the entire reason for this BS charge of arresting them on conspiracy to riot was to expose their identities. Maybe I don't, I, I wouldn't say that the police in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, were thinking that far ahead. Yeah, maybe not, you know, perhaps their chief was, I don't know, like, you know, super liberal count. I have no idea. Well, they no, had... the police probably rolled up and said, you're all detained. They probably said, why? We're just exercising our First Amendment right. And then somebody said, uh, I don't know. What can we? What could we get away with detaining these guys? And I was like, ah, uh, conspiracy, we commit a riot. Okay, great. Just do that so we can so – because the last thing my department wants is a big to-do at the Pride event. Well, let, let, me, let me remind you that they had an informant that told them that they were coming. Sure. So, so there's at least a little bit of intelligence gathering here for some reason. But you're right. We, we don't know. Right? Like, sure. who knows? But, mm-hmm. and perhaps, perhaps that's exactly it. The, the, the fact is, the, the biggest part of this isn't necessarily on why the police department did what they did. Because, yeah, it's, it's northern Idaho. These guys may not give a, give a crap. It's a resort town. You know, it's basically a little sleepy area. The fact of the matter is, is that because of what happened... These people's identity is going to be run through by the media. And that's going to be an interesting, that's going to be an interesting play out because once again, we are going to see a bunch of activists that are going to go out and try to figure out a way to dox these people. They're, They're going to dox these people. They're going to go after their employers. Now, my question is, because of what we've seen from Patriot Front in how they act, have they anticipated this? And was this all... Don't get crazy, people. I know it's going to sound very much like, you know, 4D chess, but there's no way that you can be a right-wing group and not anticipate something like this occurring, right? Yeah, I'd I'd say so. So is there a potential that the group of guys that have been going out and doing these, because a lot of them came from out of state. That was one of the biggest Mm -hmm. things that, well, and by the way, so did all the drag queens and the Antifa members. I know that the uh, the media is like hyper focused on all of the Patriot Front guys weren't even from Idaho, dude. Nobody's from Idaho. First of all, let's start there. <laughs> um, 
but okay, you're real upset about the fact that they came from like 11 different states, but so did all of the pride people. Yeah. Like literally this entire event was like nobody from Idaho, <laughs> but that doesn't also, you know, Coeur d'Alene being a giant resort town. It's also for people, not from Idaho, but it doesn't matter. The, the, the fact yeah. is, is, is it possible that the guys that participated in this are the ones that know like, Hey, if something happens a hundred percent, the left is going to basically try to ruin your life and they go, okay, well, what do we do? What are we going to do in the event of that? And I would love, because what I've seen here, what it seems like to me, and I'm applying a lot of my own logic here and a lot of Alan's own logic to potential of what this group might be doing, but it really seems like the entire TTP of the Patriot Front, the tactics, techniques, and procedures that are used by the Patriot Front is show up, look scary to the media, and do absolutely nothing to predicate any reason for them to condemn you and just have the media lose its shit and look completely unreasonable. Right? Yeah. Because like some of the events that they've been like, whoa, big scary Patriot front was just march through the national mall. Do nothing. Go clean up trash on a trail hike in Colorado. Right? Yeah. Like these are the kinds of things that the big scary, you know, far right or neo-Nazi as they claim group has done. Ooh. So I feel like they're very smart about what they're doing. And the entire point of this is to make the left look unhinged, which means you prepare for the eventuality that people are going to try to dox your members and make them lose their jobs. And it would be hilarious if this group had this idea, this idea of let's do nothing. Let's make them flip out. Let's make them be crazy. Oh, and by the way, we also have like a $2 million legal fund and lawyers on retainer to go after your place of employment and the news media and the city that tries to ruin your life just because you were planning on walking with a sign. Yeah. Because... Like I said, I don't know a lot about Patriot Front. I'm applying a lot of my own logic to them. But that is the kind of thing that needs to happen is people need to challenge the idiocy of why was I arrested? Well, you're part of a big, scary right wing group. What did my group do that made them so big and scary and a threat? I don't understand. Well, uh, CNN told me that you were all neo-Nazis. It's like, yeah, but CNN calls literally everyone a neo-Nazi. And it's like, well, we content like the the news media also got a hold of your employer and demanded that you be fired because you're part of this big scary group. And it's like, but what did my group do? It's like, well, you're liberals think you're scary, so you're fired. Yeah, you're part of a group that someone in the media said was a neo-Nazi group. Yeah, and that's exactly it. Is it's like to be to be fair, we've seen it already. You could literally bankrupt the news media. If you're in the position, and this is, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to downplay this too much, but if you're in the position to be able to challenge that kind of situation. Yeah. Like you could bankrupt the news media by going and saying, because the news media is full of a bunch of sycophants and like politicized psychopaths, 
I lost my job, even though I was part of a group that just went and picked up trash on a trail and then walked around like wearing a silly mask over my face, which by the way, a bunch of other groups do. Oh, and also uh, we did it because of COVID. Ha ha. You know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you see, anyway, um, I hope that that's that that they were that they were prepared for that. And the reason why I'm saying it is like I said, I'm I'm not I'm not trying to get in any sort of debate on what the cops did or any of this other nonsense. It's just I know for a fact that there is going to be a group in the media that is going to try to quote expose the members of this group. Right. So of course. I, I hope that they I hope that they prepared for it. Uh, to be completely honest with you, they'd be completely stupid if they if they haven't. I would imagine they would have. I imagine if you were someone that got involved with Patriot Front, you would probably have at least thought about this sort of thing. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I, it's hard to get a read on any of these groups and organizations. I can. I guess my feeling about Patriot Front is that they are one of the more serious groups out there. And in, in, in a good way, I guess. Like they're yeah, serious like, in a good way that they seem to actually know what they're doing and they're trying to fly beneath the radar and essentially expose the meat. Uh, they rely heavily on media bias. They show up, they're in khakis, they're in polos, they're fit, they're attractive. They don't do it. They don't, they don't scream. They don't shout. They don't do anything obscene. They don't cause any kind of embarrassment. And then they just march and then leave. And so uh, if they're a bunch of, you know, this is a, they're a bunch of federal agents and it's all designed to make the right wing look bad. It's an incredibly, it's failing at that because all it does is make them look, I mean, relatively coherent. It makes them yeah. not, they, people say they, they look scary. All that, when they say that, all they mean is there's a right wing group that looks like it might be successful. And that's scary to us, the new world order globalist, you know, lizard people. <laughs> well no but that 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 is the thing right is uh, of course there's a ton of people uh right now that are like eh, they're they're feds they're feds oh my god they're feds they're feds worst fed op ever if that is the case yeah i mean they haven't, they haven't done anything it if it was a fe- if it was say uh organized by the federal by a bunch of federal agents like the kidnapping of governor whitmer or january 6th or something if it was organized by federal agents, it would be a lot more embarrassing. The news would be way more ready to capitalize on it. And I don't see that happening at all. So I'm kind of, I'm just skeptical that it's, that the federal government was behind it. If the federal government was behind it, news outlets would already have their stories written and would already be running exposés on Patriot Front. Uh, but they don't, but they're not. I don't know. What, I don't know a better way to put that, but they're not doing it. the The media is not latching on to this story in the way they've latched on to other stories because they haven't had time to prepare. They didn't get tipped off. That, to me, seems to indicate that they're not necessarily agents. That you know, a bunch of FBI agents out there helping the Democrat Party. Yeah. No, and yeah, and. It it is weird. Like I said, there's a lot of debates. Like there's people who look at the uh, video footage of it's like all these guys are detained, but none of them are unmasked, and that that totally proves that they're a fed. But I I, I stand by this. Like I said, I don't I don't feel like spending all the time. I like 
I have no connection to this group, so I have no reason to go through and like I can't trust the media. They lie about everything. Yeah. So they're saying that they're neo-Nazis. And like I said, maybe they are, but probably not. The media says everybody's neo-Nazis. I don't need to waste the time on it. I do find it interesting. But if it's a fed op, like a lot of people on the right are saying, it's terrible. Yeah. And not, and I, not I terrible in the way that the that the federal government is normally terrible. Um, it's just, I don't know if it's a fed op. I don't know what the goal of it is supposed to be. Yeah. To make the right wing look reasonable and not yeah. violent. Yeah. To make them look... Actually, let me rephrase. To make them look oppressed. Yeah. Because that's what the video shows. What the video shows is a bunch of guys showed up and immediately got arrested, but Antifa was out there doing God knows what the entire time. Yeah. So like Antifa got to attack the Portland courthouse every single night for months around the election and trying to burn it down. I remember seeing video of that over and over and over again, weeks and weeks and weeks on end. Antifa gets to do that, but some guys can't even show up to protest what is something as imminently protestable as a gay pride event for children. Right. So, yeah, no, that's insane. Um, Shifting gears a little bit, just to make sure that we we stay on task and get to everything here. Um, There's not a lot of right right now. There's a lot of talk about inflation. There's a lot of talk about January 6th. There's a lot of talk about other nonsense. And part of it is there's not a lot of talk about what was supposed to be the new thing. Mm, uh, that's no longer the new, the new thing. Well, the new thing was Ukraine. I stand for that new oh, thing. Oh, that's but true. But for some reason, everyone's going to kind of just pretend like that doesn't exist anymore. Have you guys seen all the you know, social media cope stuff, I stand with Ukraine? That seems to be fading and that's interesting. Um, and Alan, I'm going to ask you to kind of give a little bit of a rundown because I'm going to go refill my coffee real quick. But uh, Ukraine is collapsing like we said it was going to. Right. So, so as far as. Yeah, go ahead. No, I just said go ahead and give a rundown. OK, please, of... so as far as I've really seen the Ukrainian military is gone. It was obliterated in the first days of the conflict, and the media didn't really want anybody to know. Ukraine, as I believe I said before, so pardon me for repeating myself, Ukraine started this conflict with one of the largest standing armies of any of the post-Soviet states. Where did Russia put the majority of its most modern, most capable armaments and equipment? On its border with NATO, which was the Ukraine. So when the Soviet Union broke up, Ukraine was inherited a very, at the time, large, modern, mechanized, technologically capable military. Fast forward to today, that's gone. It's it's pretty much been obliterated, and it's a shell of its former self at best. How did that happen? Well, the Ukrainians maybe were irresponsible and didn't keep up this military, because militaries are very expensive. That's very understandable. Additionally, the Russians, they claim through airstrikes and ballistic missile strikes in the opening phases of the war, intentionally targeted and destroyed the military infrastructure of Ukraine. That's also very reasonable because that's what anyone does when they invade any country. Fast forward to today, Ukraine just announced that they are going to start drafting women ages 18 to 60 in their armed forces. They are releasing prisoners into the for military service. They have recently also said that they are pretty much out of all ammunition for all of their post-Soviet weapon systems, and they're relying almost entirely 
on arms, equipment, supplies, and ammunition delivered by European countries to sustain themselves. That means they're in an incredibly bad situation. According to the latest releases from the Ukraine Ministry of Defense, they have, they have admitted they are losing about 300 soldiers per day. They are, a lot of this can go down to tactical and strategic errors. There's a lot of, it's hard to know the situation on the ground exactly, but there are things that the Ukrainians have done that haven't helped themselves. There's large salience developed in their lines, which is sort of a bulge in the lines. And the Ukrainians on the, this policy of not one step backwards, just shoved men and material into these areas to keep them from collapsing to the Russians rather than doing a withdrawal to a more defensible line. And Russians with their superior artillery and long range weapon systems just obliterated them. So I, I don't Ukrainian, understand, Alan. What's that? I don't. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't understand. I oh. thought Ukraine was winning so hard and they were super great and they were doing such a great job. Alas, for that is not true. <laughs> Are you saying that that was a lie? That is indeed a lie. Now, granted, the Ukrainians have been inflicting casualties on the Russians. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, with all of the weapons that have been delivered to Ukraine, they do provide a at least somewhat formidable opponent to the Russians. The problem is they can't do anything big. If a Rus the Russians are cannot advance as quickly as they might like, because around every tree and corner, there might be some dude with a javelin missile ready to obliterate a, uh, a tank or multiple dudes ready to obliterate a tank column. And so the Russians have to proceed very slowly, rolling artillery barrages, followed by infantry, followed by armor, things along those lines. So the Russians are moving through Ukraine. They are taking casualties. It is not going terribly quick, but it is still moving the russian line is still moving further and further into ukraine as, as time goes by the problem is the ukrainians can't do anything about this the in modern in modern warfare the way artillery and long-range fires have developed it means that you once you're inside that envelope which is many miles long the russians can just see that with a U.S. with the prevalence of UAVs that have taken over the battlefield, which is another whole fascinating discussion, because this is this there's going to be so many incredible lessons learned from this, and it's going to be it's going this will mark a paradigm shift in the way armies and militaries run worldwide. This this conflict is a incredible watershed moment that people are only now understanding. The thing is, with all of the cheap, advanced thermal imaging UAVs that have flooded this conflict. If you're a Ukrainian unit and you're armed with the latest modern anti-tank weapons and say you even have some modern, say, I don't know, uh, European tanks that you have and you are going to go attack the Russians. They have a UAV up. They see you from miles out and then they just call an artillery battery or a multiple launch rocket system and just, hey, rain a bunch of cluster munitions on these guys over here. But you can't even get close to anything valuable because they spot you and then they will obliterate you from the sky. Essentially, that this means the Ukrainians are losing. You need a massive amount of power, force, and the ability to absorb a lot of casualties to fight in this kind of environment. The way the Russians have done it, and one of the things that made them so successful early on, we all heard reports of mass Russian casualties. I think those were inflated, but it's things like the Russians said, okay, we are driving into, into this mass of Ukrainian tanks and artillery 
we are going to punch in. We're going to move our artillery up because this is one of the things that the Russians have specialized in is highly mobile artillery, anti-aircraft systems made to move quickly and reorient on a moment's notice, which is very important for this kind of conflict. And they would basically punch in with armored and infantry units, followed very closely by artillery unit and anti-aircraft units, and essentially punch into the Ukrainian lines, take a good number of casualties, but then set themselves up to, to obliterate every unit within range, which they just do. And then it's like, well, and there we are. And you, this is why I say it's a paradigm shifting conflict, because unlike the United States experience in, say, the Gulf War, where we were stomping all over the Iraqis, in a modern peer-to-peer -peer engagement, the technological uh, gap has shortened so much between the United States and these other countries that I don't know if the United States would do any better than Russia has done. In fact, I think we might be do a lot worse because the ability of the United States to uh, deal with any kind of attritional casualties, I think, is very tenuous. If you look at the number of tank tanks Russia has and has lost, if the United States even lost a fraction of that, we would be out of our advanced frontline tanks far too quickly. We're all just supplying the Ukrainians. We have realized our estimates of the amount of rockets and munitions, especially high-end technologically advanced munitions that you need to expend every single day in a conflict like this have been vastly, vastly too low. The, the, the uh, comment from the U.S. State Department was the United was Ukraine was going through a week's worth of anti-tank missiles in a single day. Now, maybe that's because the Ukrainians aren't as well trained and I will uh, that might be true. But OK, what's what should it be? A week's worth of anti-tank missiles every two days, every three days. Well, the hope would be a week, right? <laughs> uh, the hope would be a week. But if the Ukrainians are running through them at a rate so far in advance of what we predicted, it might mean that our estimates are off. And that might mean yeah. that, and it also means that Ukraine's this is a relatively small conflict. And if you looked at a World War II type scenario and serious large scale war between two modern countries, the amount of Javelin missiles, Abrams tanks, F-35 Joint Strike Fighters, and all of the fuel, missiles, ammunition, ammunition that all of those things use, the stockpile that you will need to have existing before you get into that conflict is much greater than the United States has. Like, we're, we've pretty much already almost run out of Javelin missiles that we're willing to contribute. So has a lot of European countries. And this gets to the, the situation with Ukraine today. Ukraine is scraping the bottom of the barrel. If you're emptying prisons and drafting women, it means that you're almost out of manpower. Mm -hmm. You're out of manpower you can send to the front. And that's a big problem because it doesn't matter how many weapon systems you have. If you don't have somebody to use it, it you're done. This is, so this couples with some other interesting developments. How do we, where, what am I using to think, to say the Ukrainians are on their last leg? Well, a big one was the Germans, uh, the Germany agreed to transfer a, lar a number of their most advanced self-propelled artillery units, which are these big, awesome tanks. They got a huge gun. They're great. And they said, we're going to give a bunch of these to Ukraine to fight the Russians. And they actually probably could have been a pretty effective asset. They just announced, though, that they are going to delay delivery until winter. And this comes with a number of other European countries starting to seem like they're going to distance themselves from this conflict a little bit. I believe it was Canada, 
Belgium, a couple of countries said, we have to delay our shipments of military goods to the Ukrainians for various reasons. Either, oh, we don't have enough, we're waiting for the fact to produce more. Personally, I think a lot of these countries see the writing on the wall that Ukraine is going to lose, and they're like, we don't want to throw any more money into this meat grinder. Like, Do you we also don't need to. Yeah. Do you also think that the potential collapse of Ukraine, like R- Russia at least takes a good portion of it or what have you. Yeah. Um, do you think that everyone is trying to get away from the potential that, uh, be, like, let's just be honest, Ukraine is a very corrupt country. Totally. Um, that if Ukraine collapses, Ukraine loses, what's the potential that these weapons are then going to be sold? Because I've already seen some suggestions mm-hmm. that a lot of the weaponry that's coming from the West is just being sold by like corrupt generals to like, you know, whatever other groups, I can't remember what groups they were saying, but is there a potential of that? Oh, absolutely. There's been a number of European security experts that have already been warning. Well, we've seen it. It was in, I want to say bazaars in Syria. They were starting to see, they were starting to see javelin missiles for sale. Hmm. And, and, and in a number of, and in a number, basically in, on the wep, international weapons black market, and especially in places in the Middle East and the Caucasus, there's it now appearing a bunch of javelins, stingers, uh, in-laws, like all basically all the advanced weapons that the West has been giving Ukraine are starting to pop up on the international arms black market. And that, that's going to be a really big problem for Europe. Because how many Islamist groups in Europe would love to get their hands on some anti-tank rockets? Or oh, yeah. better yet, guess what else we've been sending to Ukraine in droves? Stinger anti-aircraft missiles and other sorted man pads. Which is like, oh, what would a, well, if you were a terrorist or an insurgent or any kind of thing like that, what would you love to get your hands on most? Something that can blow a plastic passenger plane out of the sky. Those yeah. we've just been dropping into Ukraine with absolutely no response, in the most irresponsible way possible with no oversight as to their deployment. I've seen a lot of pictures where Russia has captured a lot of them. And when you say corrupt generals are selling them, it's probably on both sides. If you're a member of, say, Donetsk, which you're not technically part of Russia yet, you're this independent republic, you could be making right now a lot of money selling a bunch of these arms that you capture on the black market. Mm Because you're like, yeah, we have all the RPGs and Russian-supplied weapons in our supply line, we don't need a handful of javelins, and we can sell each one for fifty grand. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we, we and, and, and and with all the machine guns and small arms that are being flooded into this zone. Oh, it's going to be a hilarious problem for Europe in the next coming years, and I think that's why a lot of European countries are going. Oh wow, this is not going as well as we wanted it to. This, I think, they're starting to see the writing on the wall that this is gonna come back and bite them yeah it's is well and ultimately what it comes down to is this i i know that there's been a lot of um you know uh, a, a lot of people really wanted to root for ukraine and there was a lot of i mean i'm just gonna flat out just call it misinformation where there was just absolute yeah. bs this became a, a major cope and what annoyed me about it was it's not I'm not anti-Ukraine. I'm not pro-Russia. It was just stop lying um, because yeah. it was all fantasy <laughs> land. It, like the thing that annoyed yeah. me 
was how much people were just blatantly lying. There's like Ukraine's just slapping mm-hmm. Russia back. It's like, no, they're not. They're not. There's, there's, no, they're not. And they it, never would. Yeah. Logistically. How does that make sense? Ukraine lo- versus Russia. I, you, Russia just has more people. They have more tanks. They can uh, deal with this attritional meat grinder better. What, what, what were people thinking? Yeah. It's like if like, you look at, say, the United States and Iraq and Afghanistan, maybe you could say those were a failure of the United States. But at the same time, the United States took complete military control of those countries in a very in an almost uncontested fight. Now, it, it was quite it was a fight, but it, it, comparatively. Right. It was almost it was it was just the United States just won mm-hmm. completely in both those areas. Yeah. And, and, and then we had to fight an insurgency and the insurgency. Maybe you could say make a very good claim that we lost the insurgency. And then maybe people were looking at it like that, like, well, you know, Ukraine, it's, like, it's going to be exactly like Afghanistan and Iraq for America. They're going to fight in Ukraine. Ukraine can pull it off. And I think people were just deluding themselves because they wanted to feel excited to root for Ukraine because they were told that it was the right thing to do. And, oh, isn't it so bad that Russia's invading and they're warmongers and we should stand against any bad people that want to do bad, negative things. Right. Yeah, it was it, it and well and that's the whole thing is just a lot of people had seemed very delusional. At the end of the day, regardless of casualty counts, regardless of generals lost, regardless of how long it took vice, how long we thought it would take, I guess. Um, you know, because the it's need I remind you the same people who said it's taking Russia a lot longer to seize Ukraine than would have been expected. By the same group of people who absolutely acted like they were shocked that Russia did this in the first place. Yeah. So just let let me remind you that the same experts completely fucked this up to begin with. So pardon me if I'm skeptical when they come out and say this is taking Russia far longer than Putin wanted. It's you didn't know you don't know anything about what Putin wants. You couldn't yeah. see this coming somehow. Um, I, I would I would go to say all, they, we, there's all these sanctions and oh no maybe maybe people have thought oh these sanctions are going to make Russia reconsider. Now I would say sanctions didn't stop Saddam Hussein from developing weapons of mass destruction, which he totally did. And then all and then it, then it all got shipped off to Syria when the United States invaded. Yep, I will say that. But the sanctions, rather ruble is at a higher point now than it was when the war started. So none of this, none of this, none of this, I think, is really going to hurt the Russians. And it's just it is all of this fault is the fault of liberalism. At the end of the day, it is the it is liberalism that gave us these pie in the sky ideals. We're going to have this global new world order. No countries are ever going to go to war. No country has to worry about its security concerns. No country is going to ever fight each other. Why, oh, why would Russia have a problem with the United States expanding NATO right up to its border and then positioning long-range missiles there? Yeah. Oh, don't they know, they don't they know we're that. the good guys? Yeah. Oh, these, these horrible... How can these horrible 19th century people not just agree that to be 20th century people and believe that everything's just butterflies and rainbows? <laughs> it's absolute, It's absolutely irresponsible of the people we've put in power to not look at this and go, Russia is a real country with real security concerns that has ambitions on the world stage and needs to be contained and dealt with on a respectable par 
And if we push them, they're going to push back. What was what did we expect pushing NATO up to their border? Even in two, okay, in two, even in the two thousands, the Russians were warning us: if you keep, if you keep a la- uh, asking all of these nation states that were part of the Soviet Union, if you keep putting them in NATO, we are going to have a serious problem with that. We the Russians were essentially demanding a, a buffer zone between NATO and the United States. And the United States said, well, it's not like we're ever going to really go to war with each other. And it's like, well, then why are you adding these states to NATO whose sole existence is to organize a is to organize war against Russia? The fact that everybody looks at the Russians says, oh, they're, they're just totally silly and dumb. Why would they do this is is not giving them the respect that they need, that they deserve simply by being another another sovereign nation. They should be, they should have been dealt with like they were a sovereign nation with real security concerns. And if we had looked at them as like that, I think we should have come to the conclusion of, you know, what's the best use for Russia to be a counter against China. We should do everything we can to draw Russia into the Western sphere of influence and use them as, as a counterpoint against China. But instead, all we did is drive them into the arms of China. And now both countries have a severe grudge to pick with the United States and they're going to look for any way they can hurt us. Mm hmm. It's the height of stupidity and the people we put in charge over the last, say, 30 years have done nothing but screw us on the international stage. Right. And, and, and so at, at the end of the day, regardless of all of the quote unquote wins that we've supposedly seen, it doesn't really matter if Ukraine loses. Like none of it matters. Like what do you mean? Uh, meaning like all. So we've had to sit there and hear about how great Ukraine's doing. But what's yeah. going to happen when Russia just wins? Like, does it matter that it, quote, took longer? Does it matter no. that, you know, that does it matter uh, the, the lost general, supposedly? Does it matter? Uh, like, all of this crap. It's like, none of this matters because the inevitability is they are going to lose. And in fact, far more death and destruction has occurred because the West basically forced Ukraine out of the negotiations. Yeah. Out of any negotiation. That's another part that's, that's shocking is Russia was trying to end the war a couple months ago with with these meetings in, uh, I want to say Romania, but that might not be right. But they were they, they had delegates meeting. They were going to try and organize a ceasefire, organize some kind of cessation of the conflict. Russia's demands were very simple, which was neutrality, for, which is Ukraine is a neutral country. Ukraine just doesn't join NATO. It's a neutral country. And the United States and Great Britain worked to sabotage those talks because the United States, Great Britain and the NATO allies want this war to continue regardless of the cost on Ukraine and regardless of the cost in in lives. Right. And and people might sit there and say, well, they're supposed to just capitulate to Russia. Like, no, I, I get it, guys, but also understand that constantly propping up an inevitable loss like how much better is that in fact uh in a negotiation you at least have the chance of getting some sort of con- you know yeah. conciliatory message but in a complete military dominance like it, it's possible that in negotiation they may have lost Donetsk and Luhansk and you know areas like that maybe parts of And they Eastern were going to lose Ukraine. those anyway. Those, but those now, areas already were in rebellion against the Ukrainian, the Ukrainian central authority. Right. And we're fighting a civil war with Ukraine. Right. 
And now like, you might lose Kiev. Yeah. Way, way better guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Uh, point is though, is that it does, it does look like, um, things are, are likely going to collapse. I don't know what kind of time frame it's going to happen in, but it, what's going to be interesting is to see how all of the, you know, Ukraine flag, uh, profile pictures and hashtags, um, how they're going to react and try to spin this as somehow a victory. They, they will 100% try to spin a loss as a victory. Um, right. And it, I think a lot, I think for a lot of the, uh, Western governments, I think anymore they're looking at it as simply the longer this war draws on, the weaker Russia becomes. We'll, we'll basically weaken the Russian military by having them expend all of their energy murdering Ukrainians. Right. And, and you know, the, the fact of the matter is, like, the U.S. is not going to join this war. NATO is right. not and, going to join this war. Yeah. I, I, would, I would almost wonder, this, this is going to sound, I think, too smart for the, for the people we put in charge. But maybe a, a reason for this could be a very real politic sort of situation where you looked at it and said, Ukraine is destroyed either way. Either way, Ukraine gets wrecked. Either they get wrecked, uh, either we give them, the, give them to the Russians and the Russians take over and we lose Ukraine totally, or we, Ukraine gets completely destroyed and its population annihilated. But in that scenario, we can at least degrade and destroy the Russian army and organize all these sanctions. and. I think that's still too smart for the people in charge to have some con- a, and I think that's a, the, I think it's wrong. I think Ukraine going to the Russians isn't going to destroy Ukraine. I, I think that the, I think the, I think the United States analysis of Russia is basically entirely wrong. I think it's wrong because it's all developed based on ideology more so than an actual realistic view of the realities of geopolitics and based entirely on ideology. If someone wanted to challenge me on that, I would point to every single other thing that United States government administrations have done, especially this one, but previous ones as well. I'd point to those and say, how was anything, how was any of that different? It's Mm -hmm. all about ideology more so than practicality. It's the same with the way they're dealing with the oil, with all of the gas shortages and energy. It's in based entirely on ideology and zero on practicality. You can't transition your country to a new energy source when you don't have a cheap energy source to bridge the transition. The, and they hate nuclear, which is already insane. But let's say we said we want to get off carbon fuels. Carbon fuels are killing the environment oh no but let's say we actually believed that and took this seriously and we had adults in the room that had realistic expectations and cared about this country making the decisions what we would have said is we are going to open up all the drilling we possibly can we're going to open up every pipeline we possibly can so that energy gets so incredibly cheap that we can then build the infrastructure necessary to support moving our in the bulk of our massive electrical grid off of carbon fuels and onto nuclear. And right. you have to do that when times are good. You cannot do that when times are bad. That's why all of this is insane, and it's only going to result in massive ruination because they're trying to transition stuff by making bad times, as if it's our fault that we didn't build nuclear plants 20 years ago. 
as if it's our fault that the government, what is it, the international, atom, the no, uh, the, whatever the government atomic energy commission is, it's not our fault that they haven't approved the production of a new plant ever since the seventies when they were put in put in place. There's been no nuclear plants that they have approved to be built, which means I almost feel like that entire program was essentially just stonewalled the development of nuclear in the United States. But at the same time, this gets this gets to the what I, I'm just going to start calling the gas crisis. Gas is far too expensive. Everything runs on it. D diesel, everything runs on diesel. We've we've talked about that before on the show. And all of this is due to the fact that they're going to blame it on Putin. They wanted this back during the election. If you go back then and listen to Joe Biden, all these people talk around the election, they say, we're going to get the country off fossil fuels. We're going to shut down the gas, the gas industry. We're going to shut down these pipelines. That was their, what they were talking about during the election. And now suddenly it's coming to fruition. They go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, don't look at what we have intentionally been doing and plans on doing. Uh, it's all Putin. Right. It's a, it's a bald-faced lie that is insulting <laughs> that they even try to pass off on us. Well, and, and what is the kind of thing that we get from, you know, the establishment and, and from the elite when we talk about the gas crisis? Well, you need to look no further than, you know, the senator from Michigan, Debbie Stabenow. Here's what she had to say um, about people complaining about the gas crisis in the middle of a committee hearing. Dependent, um, sorry, uh, here the, we go. Uh, I have to say just on the issue of uh, uh, gas prices after waiting for a long time uh, to have enough chips in this country to finally get my electric vehicle. I got it uh, and drove it from Michigan to here uh, this last weekend and went by every single gas station and didn't matter how high it was. And so I'm looking forward to the opportunity for us to move to vehicles that aren't going to be dependent on the um, whims of the oil companies. Uh. Yeah, our entire okay, where does <laughs> where does the electricity come from to power your electric vehicle? Does it come from a bunch of natural gas turbines? Because that's where it currently comes from. And when everybody transitions to that, we're going to go. Oh no, we don't have enough electric power. Oopsies. Well, that's the whole. The point is, you're 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 missing the point there. That she never said anything about everybody being able to transition over. Yeah. They just want to make it to where the poors have to take public transportation and then only the rich people will have freedom of movement of a vehicle. Well, yeah, I mean, pretty much. Also, you know, just for reference, the average cost of an electric vehicle is $56,000. Yeah. That's right now. It's going to go up. I, I don't have $56,000 just sitting around ready to spend an electric vehicle. No. That's more I than my I, truck I, cost. I would, yeah. And the other nice thing about electric vehicles that I, uh, I bet for them especially is um, since everything's computerized, you can now control people a oh, lot certainly. better. Yeah. There, there's oh, a, there... no, you ran afoul of the government. Well, it looks like you lose privileges to charge your electric vehicle. Mm -hmm. And the computer and the centralized computer system is just going to know that. And so, sorry, sir. For the next six weeks, you uh, you can't use charge your electric vehicle because, you know, you posted something that that could incite ri a riot. Yeah, you posted a mean on the twitters. Yeah. Um, yeah. real quick and uh, to to kind of close out the uh, program, uh, some breaking news that came forward is uh, that senators uh, have reached a gun control agreement. 
Hmm. Um, so that doesn't mean that it's been passed. It means that they're making a proposal just so nobody, nobody, yeah, yeah. oh, sorry, that nobody mistakes, mistakes it. The, the quotes that are coming from it is that it's a common sense bipartisan proposal in response to the Uvalde shooting. It was put together by Democrats, Cinema, Murphy, Blumenthal, Booker, Coons, Heinrich, uh, Kelly King, Manchin, and Debbie Stabenow. The GOP on the side was Cornyn, Tillis, Blunt, Burr, Cassidy, Collins, Graham, Portman, Romney, and Toomey. So you have Great. Lindsey Graham, you have Mitt Romney. Like th- these are not people that I assume, um, you know, are, are are going to have our best interest uh, in hand. What I'm reading uh, about it that's that's coming up here, um, which is interesting, because I've seen some toss around about it, like pushing it possibly pushing it to the states to create red flag laws i don't know how true that is um the reason why that's a concern is red flag laws are a blatant violation of the constitution and should be supported by absolutely zero um Mm -hmm. republican but from what i saw as a skim on it and i don't know if i can fully trust is that a lot of it's about like mental health resources it's about hardening schools uh, it, it, there's, um, expanded investing, like an expanded background check or, or some, some such language in it, uh, with regards to somebody who's under 21. So, okay. I, I think it's lame. If I'm being honest, I think it's stupid for anybody in the Republican party to go along with anything that the Democrats are proposing, uh, because the, the Democrats want to take your rights away. Everything's a slippery slope with these people. That much has been proven. So the fact that if you're you're going to sit there and expect us to pat you on the back for just inching even closer to the Democrats' goal of a completely disarmed populace that they can control, you're not going to get it from me. But the other point that I'm going to make on this is if they do pass this, because you know if, if they do end up passing this, obviously I'm going to be annoyed. But this is going to also piss off Democrats. They want weapons taken away. If 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 the, quote, bipartisan Senate bill, let's say it passes, let's say it gets voted on and it passes. Mm-hmm. Democrats are going to be incensed because I'm still going to be able to own my AR-15. Yeah. And that's that's a no, no. And so this is like nobody wins. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think a lot of well, I kind of think the Democrats don't actually want to disarm the populace because then they can't complain about it. Oh yeah, like that's that's like they the want to make sure you can still own that AR-15 so that they can stand on their soapbox and scream at you. Hmm. Yeah, it'd be real rough to take that away. That's that, that's really why they don't want to lose abortion is because well, shit. Yeah. How do we how do we get how do we get women to vote for us while we groom their children in schools? If we don't scare them uh, into thinking abortion is going to be taken away, even though most of them won't ever get one. Yeah, I think that's a that's absolutely right. But we've invariably tied it to their rights because, you know, once again, slippery slope. Right? Right. That's, yeah. Well, if they take away your ability to kill a baby, they might not let you vote. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> but yeah, so, something like that. 
Yeah, well, we'll have to see. So there was a story that I wasn't able to get to, so I'm going to have to quickly just kind of annotate it, which is uh, we, we've seen the new tactic for November. Um, a, the Michigan gubernatorial candidate for the Republicans uh, was arrested for his participation in January 6th, which I'm going to guarantee you was known for a long time. But for some reason, they arrested him now. Oh, and part of that's because he's doing exceedingly well. Uh, mm-hmm. in the polls and is likely to beat Governor Whitmer at the ballot box in November. So this is why the January 6th hearings um, are happening. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just uh, I just want to bring that up. Um, so basically what you're telling me is a in order to keep this guy from running against a Democrat, they invoked January 6th and placed him under arrest well it's it's interesting because you know michigan's been very interesting there were a bunch of uh uh, there were a bunch of people that were running in the republican um in the republican primary that the michigan supreme court uh rejected and disqualified them from being on the ballot i'm not sure everything behind that um but that we've also seen this a lot of you know, candidates being denied ballot access, the inability to be on the ballot. But uh, so there's that already them just, you know, uh, the the legal system, the Democrats at all getting involved in the establishment, getting involved in getting certain people off the ballot. But additionally, you have um, this actually comes from uh, M Live, the Michigan newspaper, and it's a uh, last month's petition signature fraud scandal was already a massive jolt to Michigan's gubernatorial race when it threw five of 10 Republican candidates off the ballot. Then on Thursday came the FBI with something completely different. Federal agents arrested GOP gubernatorial candidate Ryan Kelly at his Allendale home Thursday morning on four charges related to his attendance at the U.S. Capitol riot in 2021. Although misdemeanors Each of Kelly's alleged crimes carry up to a year in prison and a $100,000 fine if he is convicted. Hours later on Thursday night, one of the candidates for governor kicked off the ballot once frontrunner and former Detroit police chief James Craig announced he is mounting a write-in campaign for the August 2 primary. So the Democrat tactic is get people removed from the ballots and then arrest those who they can't. How chilling. <laughs> so. Yeah. And as my wow. dad saying, who is a Michigan resident is backing for him is increasing now that they went after him. Good. Very good. Yeah. Like November is going to be a bloodbath for Democrats because one, they think that they can lie to the American people about inflation, even though all of us are feeling it Two, They, it is, it is proof positive the American people don't give a damn about January 6th. Look at what happened in Virginia and in other local races when Democrats thought the good tactic was going to be using federal law enforcement to attack people who were concerned and protesting. This is not going to work well for the Democrats. Uh, my hope is is that they don't realize it and that they're too busy listening to their dumbass consultants and idiot millennial like interns. My worry is, or sorry, Zoomer interns, my my worry is 
is that the Democrats are going to realize it and they are going to pull some shady shit right before November. Yeah, probably. I'm talking lockdowns. I'm talking something crazy. Oh, like, it'll be the, the COVID India variant or Sigma variant or Juliet variant or something. We hear we hear this accusation every time there's a Republican in the White House. I think it's time that we do very seriously consider a Democrat actually doing it since Democrats have basically signaled that it's a thing in the toolkit. What if we see Joe Biden declare martial law to make it to where an election can't happen in November? That'd be insane. I mean, for some reason, we saw the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency release a report that said that Dominion voting machines are actually highly vulnerable uh, to to access. For some reason, they released that this summer. I almost guarantee that what we're going to see is some sort of bullshit maneuver where the Democrat Party claims that Russia is going to attempt to or successfully has hacked the election so we can't have one in November and Democrats must stay in power. I... I have no idea how that'd go. I don't think that yeah. would. I don't think that would go over well with a lot of people. I honestly, I, I don't think it would fly. I really, I really don't. But it doesn't mean the Democrats won't try it because they continually try things that are really stupid and make no sense. But that's <laughs> going to have to be it for this week. Um, let us know how you guys, if you're a member of our Discord server, um, you know, go over there, go to subscribestar.com forward slash wrongthinkradio if you want to become a part of it. Let us know how you think the Democrats are going to try to pull some stuff in November uh, and we'll read your opinions next week. Um, otherwise, you know, always you can reach us via email by going to contact at wrongthinkradio.com. And of course, you can connect with us on all social media platforms. Just look for Wrong Think Radio. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio. We'll see you all later.